Spotlight. 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 Bumblebee, bumblebee, bumblebee. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Spotlight. All right. You are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. A level-headed movie critic meets a loud-mouthed movie cynic. And action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Spotlight. Spotlight! We're back to reviewing some uh, different movies. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. We're moving from the superheroes to the real superheroes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, We're so at investigative journalism investigative, at, its, at its finest, right, yeah. Kyle? This is a this was a really interesting film. Um, Best Picture winner of the 2015 year, dubbed in 2016. I don't know how they you how know, they actually give the, the distinction what's or the, what the fiscal year. What the <laughs> well, when does it begin or end? Either way, you're absolutely right. Best Picture Oscar winner, correct? Yeah, and just to get it right up front, here were the other nominees for the year: The Big Short. Bridge of Spies, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, Brooklyn, shout out to Brooklyn, and Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) Which of these movies doesn't belong? (laughs) So this was an interesting year for movies, Um, but this one came out of it with the Best Picture Oscar and the Best Screenplay, Original Screenplay Oscar, and I read that that hasn't happened uh, since like the 19... like 20s or 30s that a best picture has only won two oscars wow so that's kind of interesting the the um circus one i can't remember what it's called but it was a circus best picture winner it wasn't great it was actually pretty bad dumbo (laughs) (laughs) the greatest show on earth anyway uh Um, yeah. yeah so spotlight um we're gonna chat about this uh an interesting topic one might say controversial for some groups of people but um we're going to go through it a little bit, talk about our overall feelings and, uh, and, and what we thought of the film. And does it win this best picture in our eyes as well? Um, so, James, overall thoughts on the film when you saw it? How would you feel going in walking away? All right, overall thoughts. The only reason I even know about this picture is because it won best picture there you go. of the year. Uh, I don't recall it being released, and I, I don't believe it had a lot of fanfare or marketing or advertising sort of just flew under the radar, a good yep. movie that flew under the radar. And I was on a flight recently, and it was among the lineup of free movies to watch. And I thought, well, that one best picture. Let me give it a shot. So you had a spotlight flight? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I watched it, and I liked it. It's a, it's a fine enough movie. But when I was done, I thought, good movie, but deserving of best picture of the year? I thought to myself almost as soon as it was done, this must have been a really light year for Best Picture nominees, Kyle. What do you think? Now, here's something I want to ask you regarding that. Yeah. Of these other nominee films, which ones have you seen so I we can s- compare it to? Let's see. I saw The Martian. Got The Martian. Did you I see Mad Max? So I fell asleep on a different <laughs> flight to Mad Max. I tried. I tried. You tried. Um, the Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Revenant. No. You saw Revenant. Revenant. I've seen the – all right, here we go. The Martian, The Revenant – and portions of Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. So, a smaller sample size for yeah. the for the group. And of 2.5, <laughs> right? And anyway. But, uh, but a still valid consideration if you saw, see the film and then you walk away not thinking it 
really fits in that category. So I saw it just like you said, leading up to the Oscars, they put all these films on, I think it was Google Play or something to get you stoked for the Oscars, man. <laughs> um, and I and I was looking for something to do and it looked interesting. I'd heard some buzz about it. Um, so I watched it and it's one of the films that I think you have to be in a really specific mood to take away from it, everything that it wants you to take away. Um, and I think I was in that mood when I watched it. I was in a really chill mood. I wasn't looking for, you know, microsecond cuts in an action film mm-hmm. spectacle. Um, this was the most restrained directing of a film I think I've ever seen. It was like, put your ensemble cast on the screen and just let them sit there for 10 minutes and talk. You know, there wasn't any style behind it. The director, Tom McCarthy, funnily enough, I might have mentioned this before, also directed earlier that year, The Cobbler, starring Adam Sandler, (laughs) (laughs) which got, like, the worst reviews ever. So he went from the gutter to literally holding the the trophy at the end of the year, which is pretty interesting and impressive. But um, I I loved this movie, and I walked away from it. Um, I don't want to say inspired, <laughs> but I walked away from it uh, with a really strong um, feeling towards the work that they were doing, which I think was one of the most important things they wanted you to get. And I thought, as a subdued film, it was a really good, um, I don't even want to call it a thriller. I guess you can just say tense mystery or something like that well i think you described it best to me when we were discussing it almost immediately upon my return and having seen it and that was it's almost a straight docudrama right and because i was saying what i'm going to say later in the podcast and you said well it really is just a straight docudrama like here's the story the biopic kind of thing yeah Yeah. and um but i'm gonna i'm gonna piggy i'm gonna piggy piggy on what you just said Come up with a whole dictionary of terms here on Loud in the Set. It's great, isn't it? Uh, garbage, piggy, seg, nom. Piggy on. All right, I'm going to piggy. And you know, now that you mention it, I can look back in this movie, and I, re- I remember as I was watching it, you know, I do have a, that deep appreciation for investigative journalism. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness, Kyle, oh and, and our listening audience. Thank goodness that there are still people out there who are willing to put the time, effort, and energy into months or maybe even years long investigations to produce magazine articles to produce newspaper articles when print media is dying Uh you know and so everything is the news cycle in the united states and the world in general is so quick to turn over right that investigative journalism is dying and maybe this film does something where people that are still in the formative years of developing their careers mm-hmm. or what have you, maybe they see a movie like this and they get inspired. You know what? I am going to dig deeper. I'm not going to report on you know the latest bucket that Justin Bieber pissed into on the middle of the street. <laughs> you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put in the time and effort. I'm going to make you know the tough phone calls. I'm going to you know. And it's the difference from hopping online and clicking on a couple of links to yes. an article and pulling a fact from it and saying you did research <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> walking out there in the community, knocking on all the doors and finding the primary sources to get the information from. Now, I understand the irony of us talking about this as a uh, as a real-life event when we've seen it through the lens of <laughs> uh, a best-picture docudrama at this point. Yeah. I do get that, but this was a real story this changed the world when it came out 
and small details and artistic license aside, um, this was on point. Everything I've read has corroborated the whole film, um, with the exception of a couple of people that were unhappy with their portrayals. You can probably guess who they were in the film. Yeah. But <laughs> um, uh, let me let me yes. piggy again. Piggy, piggy on. <laughs> and um, got a porco over know, here. I, I, agree. <laughs> I agree with you. It's it's irony that it's ironic that here we are decrying the the death of investigative journalism and yet having to sort of reflect on on this incident <laughs> not by you know pulling up Boston Globe articles mm-hmm. and whatnot but by watching a movie based on it right but I do you know to 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 defend myself against that point I said it on the podcast before I always prefer straight documentaries mm-hmm. over docudramas and this right. is this is a, a, a dramatization mm-hmm. and I can never pronounce that word right dramatization <laughs> or dramatization I don't know man whatever <laughs> Whatever. I don't fucking Shout care. out to Brooklyn. <laughs> um, I, I'll take a straight documentary anytime, you know? Yeah. And I think that might even be a good segue into some of the points that I'd like to make about this, and that is it is a straight docudrama, and you know that some of my critiques of the movie, because I like it, but I don't love it the way you mm-hmm. do, is that there is a lack of conflict for all the characters in the movie. They, they, they do a little bit of dabbling in, oh, my Nana goes to church all the time. How can I break her heart and tell her that I'm working on this story? And then you don't. That never goes anywhere. Like right. There's never any conflict between there's a Rachel lot of, McAdams and her nana. There's, there's a there's lot no. of implied resolution yes. from the points that they come across yes. and from the outcomes that you see. Mm-hmm. They go ahead and they present the, the docudrama, and you are given a few clues along the way to know that this is going to explode. But they don't want to show you any of that because they keep it very... He, his direction, and he also wrote the screenplay. He was the primary writer on the screenplay, along with Josh Singer as well. Um, and they don't go there. It releases, and they um, what they say immediately afterwards, they show you the phone calls mm-hmm. that just start pouring in. And you don't even need to hear the phone calls. They just show you the volume of what's happening. They show you where the calls are going directly to the source that broke the story, not even to the paper that it was in. To the spotlight to the team, team, to yeah. their room, and uh, and you see the the head honcho guy, Michael Keaton's character, hop on board and want to start answering calls, and you ju- you have to just kind of go with it at that point, and that might not be for everybody that kind of resolution, or and and maybe you don't want to make up the facts of what happens after that with your characters, but I think that they they led you enough and they gave you some clues along the way to give you those points. But that being said, not the most exciting and full experience uh, a kind of like a snapshot of the uh, you might say a portion of the story was spotlit and the rest was oh, left right. in the dark pun out of control <laughs> i hate it when you pun out of control <laughs> i hate it too <laughs> all right but I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna i appreciate that point you just made because finally we do in fact have a movie like you said a couple of moments ago that showed a lot of restraint mm-hmm. it would have been very easy for this movie to essentially fulfill on those ominous threats. Mm-hmm. Don't follow this story. Right. You don't want to know where this goes. Have Bobby, you? Blah, blah. And yeah. it never did. And in fact, that was one of my complaints early on to you, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, there's so many empty threats here. Like, right. At some point, I did expect the ominous phone call, the knock at the door, mm-hmm. the the maybe even a broken kneecap or something like that. I don't know, some, some, someone being accosted. And right. it never happened. And so, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this moment to appreciate that. The restraint shown. Because not every 
thriller. And I like the fact that you had to sort of you had to retract that word. Like, right. three colors of thriller? Wait, no. Because it didn't fall into that pretty predictable pattern of here's where it's, it's going to you know spiral out of control mm-hmm. and everyone's going to have to be looking over their shoulders and, and checking themselves. But it, it didn't have to. It just, right. no. Here's how things here's how things typically play out in real life. Exactly. Yeah, there's a there's a prick down at the county clerk <laughs> office that doesn't help you with some photocopies, and there's a couple people who won't give you straight answers here and there. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, let's face it, it's not a car chase. You right. Know? You're not chasing somebody down the street. You're not hanging to... off the bumper, being fucking dragged <laughs> down the boulevard, right? And I think yeah. that makes those little moments when they occur in the film um, a lot more surprising for what they are. For instance, when she does knock on the door and she gets. The primary source. She gets one of the um, priests that was uh, molesting the kids, and he just comes right out and says it. And that moment is not exciting in the way of, you know, a a thriller would be on screen. It's not uh, like in the film The Insider. I don't know if you've seen that film. Have you seen that film? No. Um, It's about the uh, tobacco lobbyist and the guy that basically blows the whistle on it. Directed by Michael Mann, who is very much known for stylization. Heavily stylizes the movie, but it's brilliant. You should see it. It's awesome. It fits in this vein, and you would enjoy that. There's a scene where there's like a bullet in his mailbox when he goes out and opens it. And those tense moments. All this had to do was show you somebody who was giving a piece of valuable information, a primary source piece of valuable information to one of the reporters, and that blew her away, and that blew us as the audience away to an extent where you weren't expecting that at all, the way that had had been set up. She's getting nowhere. The story was going nowhere. was kind of stalling out. She was at this mundane task, and then, boom, this piece of information was this film's, you know, car chase, explosive moment. Excellent. And and it's presented to you in just the same way as if you were on the doorstep with her right uh, oh, oh oh is this uh, is this happening right now like, <laughs> yeah oh, oh my god okay, oh, i'm gonna okay. start writing I'm okay gonna, uh, uh, here we, uh, you say you, that did, again. Did i'm to clarify you, what you, i said you, i'm gonna you, clarify uh yeah um and one other thing you said was interesting was the empty threats and it made me yeah. think about how at that point in time the the threats were empty not just in the film but in real life as well, they nice. There maybe there couldn't be repercussions. Maybe it was all smoke at that point, and they were powerless. Once they knew that they just kept putting dirt on it at a rate that the other people were uncovering the dirt, and there was nothing they could do besides try and bluff and scare these people off because they had nothing else that they could do. I like that point, and and you know what? That's a great point because the um it sort of reflects the the evolving thinking of countries like the United States. Right. The the fear of the institution is is fading away. Mm-hmm. And in this case the institution is the Catholic Church. Right. Or religion in general. Mm-hmm. You you can't you can't dupe us anymore essentially. Right. And people are hungry for the truth. Especially when there's a scandal involved, right? And a newspaper goes through the, the pains of unveil of, of showing what's happening and people they want it. Mm-hmm. And they don't back away from it. There's an acceptance of it, yeah. and you see that. You see that in any movement that that leans towards truth and uncovers something that previously was taboo to talk about. Right. There, eventually, there's that that tipping point. There's that critical moment, critical mass, whatever you know there's jargon you want to put it there. Proverbial right? car chase. <laughs> there's exactly. that action moment, yeah. that impact where things turn around. So good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Let's segue here for a moment because I think one of the strongest parts of this film as a movie 
is the ensemble cast mm-hmm. and the the academy is set up in a way that this would have been really hard to give everybody an award there are other award groups like the emmys and stuff they give out ensemble awards and if there was an oscar for ensemble awards i cannot imagine that this team would not have won it so i'm going to run down the the list of the stars real quick mark ruffalo michael keaton rachel mcadams liev schreiber john slatery stanley tucci and billy crudup were a lot of notable names in this film um and one of the things I loved about it was that when you were watching the film, you recognize these individuals immediately, especially some of the big names, um, just because they're there. Well, maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, some, I hear Billy Crudup. Some oh. folks might be. Uh, yeah. Might. Um, and. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead. And even if you even if you don't recognize them, um, their portrayals are very flat. And I've I read a couple misplaced critiques of. The performances saying that they that they lacked enthusiasm or or something to that effect, and I was thinking, how could you be so dense? Because these are real people, you know, trying to convey real people. And some might look up there and be like, well, that's just you know Michael Keaton being himself. But that's the trick: is that the portrayals of these characters are so natural and so nuanced and restrained that it does just feel like they're real people on the screen but they're not the actors that you just identify with in a snap it's it's the people that they're trying to portray and i believe the only remaining member of the spotlight team who worked on that actual story was one of the supervisors on the film was mark ruffalo's character in the film um and a couple of the people said that the impressions that they were doing, uh, the acting that they were doing, was uncanny to the point of it, it was absolutely spot on. So I thought that was really interesting because there's lots of scenes in this that are really subdued. The acting is really subdued. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite parts in the whole film that I think is is that foreshadowing moment. And when I was watching it, I was like, whoa. And I was like, I have to sit up and like focus on what's going on. And it's right near the beginning, and it's when the spotlight team um, is is talking to Liev Schreiber, who's like the new editor in right. town. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fit in. He's the Jew who doesn't like baseball, I think they say yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. How's he going to fit in in Boston or whatever? And he basically brings the this story about the, the priest in town that um, molested the children mm-hmm. to light. And he wants them to dig a little deeper. And I think Michael Keaton's character says something to the effect of, well... Typically, the spotlight team chooses our own stories. That's what makes it so effective. And he just looks there and and pauses for a second and just very naturally says something to the effect of, "Um, well, would you consider choosing this one? And it's like the, the power behind it and the acting in such a small moment was so explosive that they all just... They, you knew what was about to happen and that everything was going to fall from that moment on after they made that choice to like trust in him and, and go down that path. So I loved that. Excellent. I loved the subdued acting. I loved that there weren't explosions and people running around. We could have had an episode of Pause. Right. We could have. on that scene. We yeah, could I, have. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Excellent. So so I loved this. This whole cast was brilliant and I, I thought it was wonderful. Well, I have a quick comment here based yes. on the cast and that is, you know, congratulations, Michael Keaton. I just want yeah. to say that because you know last year last year he he resurfaced with Birdman. Mm-hmm. And Birdman is an awesome movie. It is an awesome movie. And he did a great movie. job. 
And we now should he, review Birdman. We should. <laughs> and then you get to say the director's name again. Right. Alejandro... Yeah, I, I don't want to mess it up. Iñárritu. Iñárritu. Ah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Teasing you there. I, right. I, you're great. Yeah, My, you're wonderful. <laughs> I don't want to say your name again, but I want uh, Michael Keaton, congratulations. <laughs> you're back. Uh, you're back, right? He, he For was, sure. He was you know, disappointed to not win the Oscar for Best Actor last year for Birdman, although the picture won Best Picture, right? Right. Okay, so he almost won Best Actor last year, mm-hmm. and now he's in Spotlight this year, and the movie that he headlines wins Best Best Picture again. On the strength of their cast, and working he's a, together. he's a fine actor. He you is. Know? He of the ever-arched eyebrow, right? Like his <laughs> eyebrows are always... Whoop, whoop, right? well, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, but yeah. I, I like him, too. You know I have a bias. I said this in our Batman v Superman review. I have a bias towards actors who have a little bit of a, what what I perceive to be East Coast swagger, you know? Right. And he pulls that off. Like he's you know, he's got a little bit of that arrogance when he's on screen. He he commands a scene well. And that was tough. You know? I think that, that was a, that was tough for him because that wasn't his his element, you know, and he yeah. had to make that really really natural part of his character. And I, I you know, coming from the northeast myself and being Irish, well, raised Irish Catholic anyway. And most of the characters in this film are that. Are you Irish Catholic? No. Uh-uh. No? All right. Well, Midwest no. is like that, right? <laughs> anyway. My dad's I, family was. I can so. appreciate the way guys talk to each other. Like, hey, Robbie, you know, you know how this town's like. Like, the, 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 um, the, the. S- <laughs> yes. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can edit this. Throw the spotlight on we you. Can no edit way. This. Fuck. No. All right. <laughs> It's the it's easier to say in Spanish. We're but it's giving the, them the truth, the James. The silent <laughs> understanding of hey, we take care of each other around here, right? Right. The you know you call it a wink, wink, or, mm-hmm. or, or an agreement that you, uh, the unsaid agreement, right? Mm-hmm. And I you know I've watched people in my family operate on that level, and and the way they interact with each other. These old Irish Catholic guys, you mm-hmm. know, it's there's this, there's a code there. You know, I'm sure other ethnicities will tell you that there's you know codes and ways. That, right. It's a cultural thing, right? Yep. And. To see it on screen is pretty interesting, you know? And it had to be so subtle to the point that they didn't say, hey, in Boston, we take care of Boston. You know, there weren't any lines like that in there. They there, came a little there, close they, at they, times. There were yeah, a few yeah. that they got there. But one of the points that they were trying to pull off with that, I think, was that all of these institutions from the, the Catholic Church, you know, takes care of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Bostonites take care of the Bostonites. And the people at the newspaper take care of the people at the newspaper. But that line was so blurred when you had an outsider coming into the newspaper that was everybody's boss taking over the job. Mm-hmm. All these people in the spotlight team were raised Irish Catholic. Some of them still were Irish Catholic. And at, at this point, maybe defunct or, or not in it anymore. So then they're in this awkward position. And some of the people in the Catholic Church or were acting as you might say, kind of supporters of it, um, weren't at all. For instance, I'll go back to Billy Crudup here um, (laughs) so I can put some context to it. Mm -hmm. He was the lawyer in the film that was settling the cases. If you remember, there's a really really complicated complicated process where basically everybody walked into a room and then they walked out. And what case? You know, it was just kind of gone at that point. Mm -hmm. And no paper trail, anything. And they could go through all the loopholes. And his character, you find out later, spoiler alerts for the plot, if you don't know this thing that happened in 2001, 2002, (laughs) um, he's been feeding names to the spotlight team, and he did it like tens of years ago. He sent him a huge list of names, and it just disappeared. And he's been pissed off, and it's his job, and he wants to keep doing his job, 
in his comfortable position, but he doesn't want this to continue. He obviously, that's why he's, you know, risking what it takes to throw those out there. Mm-hmm. So everybody has this conflict of what they're going to do and how they're going to do it in all three of these different areas, but they're so ingrained in that culture in all those respects that taking care of your own ain't so easy yeah. when you got to take care of the other guys too. It's it coming this fall. <laughs> well, you know, we, we can we can move on from this point in a second, but sure. I I do appreciate when there are those those underlying themes and hints of like northeast Irish Catholic culture because it's a culture that isn't all up in your face, but it's like I said before, it's silently understood if you right. grew up with it. And you see hints of it in in direction of movies such as and I'll bring up nothing but Boston ones because that's the topic. In here. Yeah, I'd rather go to New York, but whatever. Um, Goodwill Hunting, right? The Departed, and now Spotlight. Those are three examples I can think of just off the top of my head. Yeah. Where at some point it leans a little bit on the hey, you got an interesting breed of folks around here, mm-hmm. like these these Irish Catholics that they're tough and they they protect each other, and sometimes they're they're crooked and mean, and sometimes they're loving and caring, but it's 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 it exists you know like right. you if you come from it, it exists it's simple as that and and, and it's, I appreciate it and they're in a terrifying position because the church is scary and the church ran the town yeah and what you're raised to believe in and what your family says and everything you do the tradition around every aspect of your life is basically to you know please god and yeah. not be eternally damned in the hellfire that's terrifying so of course (laughs) they're they're like taking care of themselves historically over all this time so well here's here's the the moment the movie where it was emphasized and i'll leave it at this yes was when the armenian lawyer well the lawyer Mm -hmm. played by i don't know some one of the actors right stanley tucci the good lawyer right yeah the the older gentleman balding right all right who great actor great actor but he's like, hey, what are you to Mark Ruffalo's character? You, you Italian or something like that? He's like, no, I'm Portuguese, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm Armenian. So right there, it's like, hey, we're outsiders. You right. Know? And, and they can they have an understanding of we're not them. Mm-hmm. They're, look at them. Like, yep. Let's talk about them for a little bit. And them means Irish Catholics that shield each other and protect each other and, mm-hmm. and are stubborn and, and they shut down when, when times get tough. And the understanding is you shut your mouth. You know, like, right. And here's an Armenian guy who wants to burst through the wall of lies and get to the truth. And here's a Portuguese reporter who's unrelenting in his uh-huh. search for the truth. And they connect on that level because they're minorities. Right. It's, it's, I, I, I'm fascinated by stuff like it's that. It's wonderful. Here. It's great. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Okay. So yeah. we're, we're getting towards the end here. Yeah. So I want to go back to, to the idea of the, the whole aspect of this film. It did win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And when I compare it to the rest of the list, I, I think it's deserving. From the standpoint okay. of the, the screenplay, I thought was so nuanced with really brilliant lines and the delivery of those lines like the one i mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. um and how how they made the decision to run the plot the way that they did and and have it be really dialed back i i thought that that was really really special the rest of the films this year uh, (laughs) are so different and so strange and at this point i have seen all of them and the ones that came close for me um were the big short for other reasons, for doing kind of this similar thing as the docudrama uh, mm-hmm. of this, but in a way that was accessible for a lot of people to understand something that has been really misunderstood and misinterpreted for a long time. Um, but I think of all these films, I absolutely uh, 
consider it to be a best picture winner and it, if you're giving out multiple awards then it, it can go to others as well but um i think this one this one topped it for me and this discussion has kind of solidified that when i was thinking about the the feelings i had watching it but it draws great comparisons to two other films one i already mentioned the insider, the insider. which i'd recommend you see if you haven't seen it and the other one all the president's men have you seen this film no. Um, Robert Redford and, uh, oh my God, I'm going to forget his name, from The Graduate. Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Hey, look at me. Oh, uh, you did it. All right. Right on. Um, Piggy. Fantastic. <laughs> what? <laughs> All Fan- right. Fantastic film. Um, in this vein, the investigative journalist thing, which is its own genre. You know, it's different than other films. It, it is special. So so what do you think? After, after this discussion, you have any more points you want to make? Anything you want to... I, I don't know if I fully agree with you. I mean, I haven't seen all the movies, so I know that The Revenant is not deserving. Mad Max, to me, could have could an action movie of that intensity get best picture? I don't know. I just don't think there's enough substance there. Yeah. Brilliant. Great direction. Very and, fun. And so I can't agree <laughs> with you, but I can't disagree with you. I'll just stay neutral on this one. But my thought is, this is a reason why there should be categories. Like I'm gonna, like I'm gonna, the Globes, the Golden Globes. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're pitting Spotlight against Mad Max Fury right. Road, <laughs> these are different, completely different genres mm-hmm. of movies. So have categories for Christ's sake. Right. Thanks, Chris Rock. Right. <laughs> why? Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. Because then you know a Mad Max movie is deserving of best action movie. Right. Couldn't. Could Brooklyn and Mad Max Fury Road be in the same conversation? One about the Irish immigrant falling in love in America and one about these people in a car for two hours going real fast? (laughs) I think just having one category, I I have no research to back this up. It's probably just some remnant of the the old days when there weren't so many movies to choose from, right? Absolutely. You know, we're talking decades ago, right? And the types of movies being selected. That's the next point I was going to say. Like, what were your choices? Like, a drama or a drama or a drama or a drama? Mm -hmm. You know, like, they were all more or less in the same vein. You weren't dealing with animated and and action and drama and documentary and thriller Mm -hmm. and horror. If you made a horror film back then, you were... uh, you were basically deemed as the movie studio that just wanted to make money and pander to the plebeians. You know, you weren't you weren't making it for a, a best picture mm-hmm. winner. But now there are horror films that come out that are terrifying as all hell, and they are great yeah. and they're wonderful. Um, I, they're not cold sore. <laughs> all right, hey, um, yes, if you want a good horror film to watch, it follows. Holy crap! I, I want to review that with you. Right, we'll, so go and see it, right. um, and you at home it's see it list. as well. It's on my list. Um, we're out of time. Okay. What do you think? <laughs> we're as far the as, end. as keep, <laughs> keeping it subdued and in the uh, in in the vein of spotlight. We're at the end here. Um, so let's put a grade on it. Yeah, well, let's grade it. Um, you go first. Right, I'm curious. First. I will give it a B plus, Kyle. And Excellent. because I've said everything I want to say. I'm going to chase. I'm going to follow my comment about the grade with some, you know, random things. Sure. And that is, I appreciate this movie, but for those of you out there, if you did even the most basic level of research on the Catholic Church at this point, or churches in general, a movie like Spotlight or an investigation like the Spotlight team made could be done every week. Right. You know? And so in on any topic. On well, no, I'm talking about the. But yes. This particular thing. Right. They're they're molesting. <laughs> oh, it's so sick! You know, it's so sick. There's, yeah. The... And I'll even, I'll, I'll make it personal. How about we make it a little bit personal? Ooh, James Ooh, throwing down. Yeah, I went to 
well, I went to Catholic school for the first eight years of my education. All right, fine. Then I went to a Jesuit school for high school for four years, right, in uh-huh. Manhattan. Uh, Catholic school in Brooklyn, Jesuit school in Manhattan. And then years and years later, after I graduated, I get an email from, you know, the alumni office of, of my high school. And, oh, one of the people at my school. Interesting. Yep. And it's like, dang. It, it was rampant. And this is not to say I won't that... get into the details because we try to <laughs> – but, but let's put sure. it this way. It, it's, it wasn't exactly spotlight-esque but engaged in some pretty heinous behavior. So it's like, damn. I usually don't try to make personal connections because I believe more in talking about data than mm-hmm. anecdotes and all that shit. But when it slightly hits home like that, and you're like, right. you know, I, I didn't hang out with this guy or anything like that, but – I was like, holy shit, I knew this guy and I trusted him, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sure that's how a lot of people feel because they didn't want what they believed in to be tainted by individuals that represented yeah. it. But then the multitude of individuals was astounding and it broke people and yeah. it broke them from their faith, which believe whatever you want and follow whatever disciplines you want in your life, but don't let terrible people be responsible for your well-being. Absolutely. So, so I, I'm going to go out with a, a solid B plus for the movie and a big thank you to the Spotlight investigative team. Yes. And anybody real, else out there doing the true <laughs> the real the work, work out there. Bravo. Absolutely. Yes. There you go. Um, wonderful. Uh, I give it a solid A. I wow. thought I thought filmmaking from the filmmaking standpoint, I watched it uh, every second counted in the film. True. Every every moment of pause was there for a reason. There's no fat on it. It was fantastic screenplay and that's what you look for and i've mentioned this before the story and the characters and they were there and and they had a plot to follow not a complicated plot one that unfolded at a really good pace it was just a great movie maybe not for everybody you know if you're if you think mad max fury road should have won best picture this probably wasn't your bag you know to begin with (laughs) so um but a, a great film nonetheless nonetheless None the least. None the least because it was the best of the year. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, uh, thank you all so much for listening. We're out of time. Um, Spotlight. There it is. Uh, there great go. film um, coming from both of us. Wonderful. So go out and see it if you haven't seen it already. And let us know what you think. Loud on the set at gmail.com. You can check us out on YouTube and iTunes. Send us some uh, some films to see. Other films like uh, like Spotlight, some good investigative journalism. Absolutely. And, uh, and see those other ones that I mentioned uh, before. But again, thank you so much for listening. Loud on the set at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. And have a wonderful day. See you later. And cut.